Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last Podcast. Rick Roberts here today. I've got with me another former student from the class of 08. It's Monty Mitchell. He'll be with us in just a second. I want to read a quick iTunes review. Thank you guys for continuing to send these in. Uh, this one is from Just Got There. It says, wow, real collaboration. It's one thing to hear someone talk about what it's like to write comedy with a partner or a group, and it's another thing to actually hear it minute by minute. You can hear the original seed of the ideas and then brainstorming and then all the different directions they could take their ideas. I'm a better collaborative comedian for having listened to this. Great stuff here. Thanks for keeping the podcast going, Rick. Thank you, Just Got There. He's referring to one of our uh, open writing sessions that we've recorded on the podcast, and uh, there's two or three of those now. And Just a little insight into how a few people go about it, and I hope to do more of those down the road. So thanks for checking that out and giving us a five-star review. Uh, today I've got with me, like I said, Monty Mitchell. How's it going, sir? I am good. How are you? Monty's another one of those guys that whenever I... I log into Facebook or something like that. I see he's out doing another gig and hitting the road and, and been going at it. But it, it all started back in 08. It did. And uh, I, here's my here's my memory of, of you in the class. The writing class, man, your head was down. You're, you were writing stuff down, but you didn't really speak up or raise your hand or make a comment on anything. No. I and I kept thinking, this guy, oh, he's, this isn't his cup of tea. <laughs> do you yeah. remember, like, the, the writing I class? I remember... Uh... Well, I'm shy anyways, and uh, why in the world I decided to do this? But, you know, I can't strike up small talk with anybody. I, I, I'm not, what is that, ex, 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 introvert? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, but, yeah, I was scared to say anything. Uh, but I also, I was very, I was like a sponge. Everything you said, I mean, I just absorbed You're it. You wrote it, up. it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't need uh um, any distractions, I guess. This this was what I wanted, and and your class. Whenever I saw that, that was like, yeah, there's that's how I'm going to do it. And had I can't remember, you hadn't been on stage at all yet, mm-hmm. right? So you were just no. kind of coming at it. What made you want to do stand up in the first place? Like I wanted to do stand up, honestly, since kindergarten. I remember sitting in the lunchroom and making people laugh at my table, and. I wanted it ever since then. I just didn't know how to go about it. I didn't know. Uh, other stuff happens, too. You know, I met a girl, and then you have kids and all that right. stuff. But the comedy was always back there in my mind. So in 08, I was 35. Um, I saw it. I saw your, your class on the on the website, and I was like, I got to do it. That's borrowed money to take the class. Did you really? Uh-huh. And... Uh, and then was best thing ever. Oh, that's cool, man! And so when you when you rolled up to the Zanies parking lot and came in and saw all those people sitting there, to start- oh my god, I was scared to death. But <laughs> the, it, it, the coolest thing was is that Zanies was almost like a magical place to me. I've been there so many times, watched so many people that you know I liked, um, and and to be able just to walk through the green room because we went through the yeah, back, through the back door, door, yeah, yeah, and go through the green room, and it was just like oh. That's what this is, and it was, oh my gosh! And so, yeah. But I was already nervous. I was, uh, um, 
Marm Piss were just pouring with sweat. I remember <laughs> Brian Kiley was there taking uh-huh. all of our uh, uh, names and all that stuff. And um, uh, it was Kylie and Bates. Might have been Swinford. Yeah. Uh, all of them were there. But, uh, um, yeah, and then just absorbing everything. And I still, you know, there's a lot of things that I still uh, remember that the one thing you said, it's not it's not what you say, but how you say it. Uh-huh. And I've realized that, too. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of that's always whenever I'm writing a joke, it always uh, comes. Across, I try to do it. I don't know how to say that. Just try to deliver it in a way that's you. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Kind but of, that took a while, too, you know, trying to figure out who you are. That takes how, a Yeah. I would say, though, you, you kind of caught on fairly quickly. Maybe. I, you know, and, you, and I started, you know, 35 years old. I had kids, everything. I'd done it all. So maybe that was maybe that was a benefit. Yeah. Well, I think, too, we were talking just a second ago before the podcast started rolling. But, you know, having that life experience – having some things to say. And, and at 35, I will say when I was at 35, I pretty much knew who I was. Right. But I, I'm not sure if I did it at, at 29 or 25. Right. And it's okay to start at any age, but I think at 35, you've got some things to start pulling from. And, you know, a rough show here, a rough show there is nothing like a rough day and, and a regular job or, right. or some of the things you go through by the age of 35. So Right. But it, uh, it does, you know, at 35, I feel like the clock's ticking and – you know, I need to. Uh, I don't have that leisure at 21. Right. If I'd started to uh, figure out who I am, so yeah, I've hit it just full blast, and had a lot of good opportunities that's come up. Um, yeah, tell me about some of the fun stuff. Well, like whenever your class was over, um, I think I had, before we did the performance class. Remember that one got it got delayed. For some reason, so we actually didn't do it. We were supposed to do it in March. I think we did it sometime in April. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. I had been up there for. I, I started doing an open mic uh, in Antioch, Spanky's, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, I think I'd done two by the time I had done the graduation show. But after the graduation show, it was nonstop. And Spanky's went on for they they just. Um, their last show was uh, May of last year. So for, what is that, seven years? Mm-hmm. I only missed, I, I could count on both hands how many shows I missed. Every, I mean, this is a weekly open mic. Mm-hmm. I probably missed eight shows in those seven years. Yeah. I, I was, and, and, and when we started, that was the only open mic that we had besides Springwater. And so, yeah, if you missed that one, you, you you were out of luck till next week. Right. And you're driving in. Tell people how far oh, to drive. Oh, yeah, I drive. It's about 80, it's 86 miles. Yeah, so this isn't just running down the street. Mm-hmm. This is uh, making this a commitment, carving event. out time. Every time it's an event. And also whenever I started, I didn't have a car that was reliable enough to do that. So I had my buddies back in Cookville, and uh, they would they would take me. I would just you know, pay their bar tab, uh-huh. their gas, and, and get down there. It was That was another event. You know, it wasn't just that you had an hour drive. <laughs> right. You had to find somebody that would take you. But a lot of my buddies, they were, you know, 
they were proud of me because it right off the bat, you know, things were going pretty good. You have you're going to have bad shows, of mm-hmm. course, starting out. But you know, I won like the Fresca. That was the prize at this open mic. <laughs> right, yeah, Fresca. I won that one second time going up, <laughs> yeah. and that gave you know it was those little milestones along the way, and then you finally uh, got a uh, Chris Lloyd run a show down at the uh, Music City Bar and Grill, and that was the only uh, really outside show of Zanies and the open mics. So I really wanted to be on that one, but that took like five months for Chris to have me on that one. But it had the coolest flyer. I remember that uh-huh. was all I wanted. I wanted my picture on yeah, that flyer. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, uh, Zanies was giving me uh, a little bit every now and then. Yeah. I thought you got on stage there pretty yeah. early and pretty often. Yeah. Um, Rosemary liked you. Uh, no, no, at, she didn't. Not at first. Well, yeah. I had to find out. <laughs> and you got to do that sometimes with people. You got to find out what you can click with. And it, at the time, it turned out Farmville was big on Facebook. So that's how y'all. And I started finally. striking up Farmville <laughs> conversations with her. And they were having me on there. Uh, but Rosemary, she gave me a hard time. But here's what Rosemary done. And she never said I did good. Never. Uh-huh. And she started, she found out that I hated emceeing, hated hosting, hated it. And, uh, so for a year solid, any showcases that we got, I hosted it. Right. For a year. That's and tough love. It is. And and she did. She made me it, it, makes you better. You know, you're taking the bullet for everybody. It's a cold audience. Right. And um uh, it, it it does. It makes you better. But she, she yeah, she did that and uh I'll never forget that. And um and then we would just go uh well there wasn't a lot of open mics around here at the time. I would go down to Atlanta, went down to Laughing Skull a bunch, uh, Chattanooga, Knoxville. Uh, I remember us going to St. Louis. We would take off work at 12 and drove all the way to St. Louis. That's like six-hour drive. Uh-huh. Did an open mic and four minutes, right. four minutes at the Funny Bone <laughs> and turned around and uh, and came back. And I remember... The sun was coming up whenever I pulled in my driveway, but I couldn't take off work the next day. Right. I, I, at this point, I was where I was leaving uh, early to go to anything, mm-hmm. Atlanta. Uh, I would take all my vacations, had two weeks vacations, and I would take every one for years by the hour. Yeah, just and kind of chip away at it. Never would take a full day off. And um, But I remember coming back in from St. Louis, the sun's coming up. I didn't even put my head on the pillow. I yeah. just got ready, went went into work, and yeah, drank man. Red Bulls all day long. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think the people sometimes listen that haven't jumped into comedy yet. You know, you hear about all the good times and easy times, but there's a lot of, of those oh, there's... nights where. Well, and here's the thing too: six hours up there. If the four minutes goes good, it's it's an easier six hours back. Yeah, but yeah. if that four minutes doesn't go good, oh, it's it's yeah. a twenty five hour six hour drive, right? And that's and and you know that's what you'll <laughs> have too on uh, these open mics here. Uh, now, I don't take them as personal, but back then that was it. Uh-huh. I that was my show for the week, and if it went bad, there was a whole hour back that I didn't turn on the radio. I I sat there in silence and mm-hmm. just stewed over what yeah. I'd done. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? It, it, it is. And uh but it was it was an event and uh and so then in like uh 2010 I finally got me a car that was reliable. By the way, I still have that car today and it has 323 
thousand miles on that's it. That's awesome. And I put whenever I got it, it had ninety three thousand miles on it and in what is this, five years almost six years. Say, yeah, so you're looking at forty, fifty thousand miles a year. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting my old chains like once a month. I know, man. I remember when I first started those road gigs would, would pile up so fast. And I remember one time I, I lived in Columbus when I was kind of starting out, and I had a gig in uh, Davenport, Iowa. That's a pretty good haul. Yeah. So I drive all the way MC for the week, uh, get paid out Sunday night, drive back. You know, pull like you say, pull up after the sun came up, take a little nap, and my phone's ringing, and like, hey, Rick, we had a follow-up. You want to come back and MC this week? Yeah, and, and so I drove all the way back to Davenport, Iowa, and got there just in time for the show. Yeah, where if I'd known, I could have <laughs> sat yeah. there and relaxed. But it, I like had no sleep for like three days. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, and I was happy. I was I I couldn't I believe I got to go right back there. I know that was it. That I've never turned down anything. Uh, always say yes, even if I was scared or you know it sounded kind of you know uh, sketchy. Yeah, I, I, I would do it anyway. What's Any- the toughest show that you did? Where you where you even when you took it, you like. This is going to be a battle, but it, you know, at the end, you'll learn something from it. The one that that was, I did the World Series of Comedy in 2012, and the one of the um, is that out in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. but they have uh, oh, like the qualifying plen- rounds. Yeah, the yeah. qualifying rounds, and this one was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they uh, uh, before it, I was in the wild card round. I didn't make it. It was my first time, but they have like. Anyways, it was a wild card round. And then if you made past that one, you got into the next round. And then if you got past that, you got into the semifinals to the finals. And uh, I got so in my head, I got so nervous about that show um, that whenever I got up there, uh, I bombed. I didn't, I didn't do good at all. But I, was, I went up there with Jerry Harvey. He's a uh, Chattanooga comic. We went up there together. And so Jerry did great. So I was there, you know, I, we take, we took my car. So I was there for the week for Jerry, whenever he got done on, that was like on a Tuesday on Friday, the, the world series people called me back and they said, are you still in town? I said, yeah. They said, well, we had a fallout and they said you were next in line. You know, but we took the top three. You were fourth in our little point system. Gotcha. And they said, will you come back tonight? And I said, yeah. That's nice. So I went back that night, did a whole new set, and made it on all the way to the semifinals. They came up to me later, and they said, we never had anybody go from wild card all the way to wow. the semifinals. And then that took me out to Las Vegas. But I was so nervous for that show and got so in my head that any show after that, didn't bother me anymore. So you kind of got it out of your system. It, like... it, it was. It was like that night. But I thought I was going to throw up in the parking lot. I, I was. I never felt that kind of pressure before. Was it because it was a competition that made you nervous, or Maybe. was it because I'd done other competitions mm-hmm. before? Um, nothing. Nothing on that scale, though. And just being so far away from home, yeah, uh, felt like there was a lot riding on it. Spent a lot of money, hotel, and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, took off work for a week. I just I think all that started getting in my head and 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 maybe I was thinking I'm not ready for this I don't know uh, but I don't know I, whenever I got up there it was awful <laughs> yeah well you know what's funny is like even though that was a bad thing and but you it bounced back and it went in your favor mm-hmm. since you stuck around to hang out with mm-hmm. your buddy that was a, a fortunate thing that you got you were mm-hmm. still there 
But you got that out of your way, it probably would have happened somewhere else, and maybe the stakes would have been bigger. Maybe, yeah. And, you know, and other yeah. things that came up down the line, there's been bigger things afterwards where you're, like yeah. you say, you're ready for it. And- yeah, yeah, and, and and that's where I'm at now. I feel like, you know, I, I've pretty much saw everything. I've done some crappy shows uh-huh. in some crappy places, and I just feel like there's not much else out there that they couldn't throw at me that I couldn't handle. Right. Other than somebody storming the stage, and <laughs> yeah. punching me in the face. You still got time, buddy. <laughs> but you know that's that's great because that's I mean that's the stuff you can't teach. You know I can't Mm-mm, teach no, you seven that's... years of taking your lumps. Mm-mm. You know I can help you get as prepared as you can for those things. But you you know you're going to internalize the the event differently than anybody else would. So you just got to go through it, and that's why they say a lot of times it takes seven years to kind of start to find your voice and find your feet. And really, it's seven years especially if you're going at it every week with multiple gigs like you are and open mics, it takes that many experiences to see everything that's out there. And, and yeah. you know, then you've got a barometer. Okay. This happened to me kind of before I know how to deal with this situation or the, the mic's out. I know how to deal with that. Or the, yeah. they're not shutting down the pool table or, yeah. you know, the guy all before that. me just blew it up or the guy before me just, you know, yeah. dug a hole. Yeah. All that. Yeah. The guy. Yeah. Those are two bad situations. If the guy before you just kills it, mm-hmm. and they're just like, there's nothing. You got about ninety seconds to ride there's that wave. Nothing that I can. Yeah. Have you or, found yourself ever like when somebody rocks it right before you? Like, there's part. I don't. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's happened to me where for like you know a couple of minutes, I almost morph into their personality just to kind of keep it going, <laughs> and then realize after like it's first off they just saw that that personality for thirty yeah. minutes. They don't want another thirty minutes unless yeah. it's that guy again. But and you kind of mentally you change up just a little sometimes until I you learn know. how to deal with it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I, maybe I, if if somebody yeah has got which I think I got kind of high energy anyways, mm-hmm. uh, but. And that's another thing, like I was watching uh, Nate Bargatze and we were, uh, you know how, you've watched him. Yeah, yeah. You know how he's just calm and just cool. And I just love that. It's like, that's confidence right there where I'm out there jumping around, uh, yelling and all that <laughs> stuff. And I'm just like, look how cool he looks. And I'm such an idiot. Oh, well, he makes but, it look easy. But well, he's and been I, at it for a while. And I told him, I, I asked him about it and I said, man, I, you know, it's just, I just said that same thing to him, and he said, no. He goes, I want to be able to do what you do, but, I, you know, I like the energy. I like uh-huh. – he goes, but, you know, that's not me. And he said, everybody wants to be somebody else in this bit. He said, rock stars want to be comedians, right. and comedians want to be rock stars, and just nobody's happy. Yeah, unless you're weird to Al Yankovic, who did both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, he's like the only guy that's got the great gig, you know. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. We were talking uh, at a, a writing class last night. And somebody asked about catering to the audiences when you're out there because you, you know you want to win them over, and we kind of boiled it down to you, you want to. There's cer- certain gigs where you got to survive a little bit, right? So you're not exactly who maybe you wanted to be the entire show, but and you you, you appease them a little bit, but you got to stick to your guns and keep preparing for the ultimate shows that you want to do, and it's really about catering to yourself first. And then hoping that the audience jumps on board with you. Because if, if you try to please the audience everywhere you go, every audience is so different that you're never going to have your thing rooted. Right. You know? you know, sometimes you'll have those those audiences where you can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. They just they just you, you, you connected with them and they love everything that comes out of your mouth. And then you have others that you can't hit it with anybody. Yeah. And I don't get how in a room full of 50 people that I couldn't connect with 20 of them. Uh-huh. But you, you still have them, you know, every now and, every and then. Now, you know, whenever I get those, I kind of I have this approach that 
if I feel that coming on, uh, first thing I'll do is I'll slow down because sometimes I think maybe I've gone too fast for them to kind of process. It's not that my material's super smart. It's just right. I'm just running through it too quick. Right. And the other thing, I'll start looking at them and, and picture this as the best crowd I've ever had in my life. Okay. And it switches my brain to a different gear to where I start appreciating the crowd instead of resenting them. Okay. And it might take five or ten minutes after that, but I can usually turn it around okay. and it make it worthwhile experience. You know, so next time you're up there and it's like it just doesn't feel like it's flying, just take a deep breath, slow it down a little bit, smile a little bit more, and, and pretend it's awesome. I've been <laughs> really bad that if it's not working, that I will stop and acknowledge that, like, what what's what? wrong with y'all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know it's never the audience, or most of the time it's not. It's you, but there are sometimes it's the audience but anyways i will stop and i'll just be like what is wrong with y'all did y'all get a mass sad text before (laughs) this show did you know you was coming to a comedy show and a lot of times that'll loosen them Mm -hmm. up just to acknowledge it that you know that you're up there suffering and not getting anything out of them and uh i've had i've had that to work but that is at this point you play around with them till and and used to be it was straight set list. Mm-hmm. And I still write out a set list before every show, most of the time. And I just stuck to it. Uh, now I can play around. Uh, I can, uh, I'm can. i not scared to talk to the audience anymore. used to be. I was so scared. Somebody yelled at me during my set. Oh, my gosh. It <laughs> yeah. freaked me out. Yeah. And and now I can. I can. But. There's, those shows are coming more often now that I'm able to kind of go step off. Out. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's, I like that. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of experience. That's just, you know, I'm comfortable. I mm-hmm. know I've got an act. I know these jokes are going to work. I can get mm-hmm. back to that anytime. And, uh, that, and, and another uh, guy, I can't remember his name right now, but whenever you do start going off, mm-hmm. going off your uh, – he said, he said uh, comedy is like a tree. And, and your and your set list and your jokes are the trunk, and then whenever you start going off from the you know on uh, talking to the audience, uh-huh. making fun of the audience, whatever, th- those are branches. And the further you get out there, the weaker that branch is, and eventually it's going to fall. He says, so make sure that you stay kind of close to your trunk. I like that. And yeah, okay, yeah, it makes total sense. You got to have that. the The trunk is your your jokes, your act, mm-hmm. your support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sort of reminds me of another analogy where uh, all the good fruit is out at the edge of the branch where the sun hits it. So even though it's weaker out there, if you get something good if out there, go, it's going to be tasty. Yeah, if you can go that far, yeah, and yeah. keep it keep it going. Yeah, I uh, crack a lot of branches yeah. before I get to the fruit. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, a little, I'm missing my vitamin C pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. That's too funny. But uh, uh, I do. I like all that. And um, Are there some gigs where you're like um, – you have gigs now that are, or even a club that's a, a favorite and a, maybe a club where you still feel, haven't felt like you just be able to nail it down yet or or certain situations or you feel pretty good everywhere. Okay. In 2010, I met up with Cletus T. Judd. You remember mm-hmm. him? He saw me at Zany's. That right there was another show where I don't even know if I should talk about it, but he ended up liking me. I'll tell you what happened. I went to the bathroom. guy before me, I knew he had five minutes. Went in, went to the bathroom, and I had a leak. Uh, you know, I, I I thought I was done peeing, mm-hmm. 
and I went to zip it up. And <laughs> you weren't done. <laughs> I wasn't done. <laughs> That's part of getting old. I, I still had a little bit of dribble left, and, it, and I was wearing khaki pants, and there was no way to hide it. I was panicking. I was back there in the green room at Zany's. I was panicking. I was like, what am I going to do? And and it was Brian Bates right before me. And I was like, I got to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. I've got to acknowledge it. So I went up there on stage, and I did. I was just like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> and everybody laughed. And I don't even know if they could see it, really. Uh-huh. Uh, but everybody laughed. They laughed at my little gestures of the ugh and and uh, clearly I was embarrassed, but they started laughing right off the bat, gave me the confidence. I went on and did my thing. Cletus was in the back. He loved what I did, took me on tour, and we went for a year. Anyways, we ended up at Stardome. You've been there? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, 450 uh, seats or so. Yeah. Never been in anything bigger than that. I mean, they're stacked to the rafters. Yeah, like it, it's, it's, it's boots up top. It's and, uh... amazing, and I was scared to death. And Matt Mitchell was the MC. He's a local guy. Yeah. Matt Mitchell comes out there and just annihilates this whole room. I go out as feature for Cletus. And first joke, nothing. Second joke, nothing. So all of a sudden, I'm machine gunning through it. And before you know it, a 20-minute a, a set was 10 minutes. Yeah. And I get off stage, and Cletus meets me, and he's like, what are you doing? You... <laughs> You've still got 10 minutes. I said, they don't want me. They want you. Anyways, after that, the next day, they was like, we, we, you did bad. There's no, you did bad. And Bruce, he's super, the nicest guy ever. But there was no denying. I did. I sucked right. it up. Matt did great. They switched us. I went from feature to MC, And Matt featured for the rest of the weekend, as he should have. And uh, so I had Stardome. Scared to death of Stardome. Uh, went back last year with Janet Williams, and great. Yeah. It was – I don't want to say great. I hate to say that I did great, but it was good. I was satisfied. I was happy with it and got that one off my chest. Uh, um, that can be a tough room. It and, can. And, and throughout the week, the crowd changes so much. They, you know, if, Unless they've changed, you know, like – the first night is this radio station and their fans, and the second night is this. So the demographics change drastically every night. Yeah, and it's and they're very big on food. Yeah. So when you were hosting, even even in the feature spot, you look down and people are just getting their steaks, and the food's good there. The people come there to eat. Yeah. And you know that's part of the deal. Sometimes the meals, the thing, and they get the show for free. So it, yeah. it can be a challenge for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, and and Sunday, I think is a birthday. It's a papered room. Mm-hmm. If you if it's your birthday, you get in. That one I find is papered rooms are the hardest yeah. um, at a club for whatever reason. Yeah, at a bar, you know, nobody pays to come into a bar most of the time. Uh, but a papered room in a club, they're the hardest people to get to laugh. And I've talked to a lot of people about it. Um, and uh, Chad Ryden, he said they're not invested into it. Yeah, and they're, if, they're, they have nothing in it. So. Yeah, a free show. If you're listening, and you don't know what a papered room is. It's basically the the paper is the, the free pass. So they're giving free passes. So the entire room, 450 people, got in for free. They have to get two items off the menu or whatever, but they didn't invest, like you say, in the show. So you know they're like, prove it to me. Yeah, and, you, and you're on stage like. Prove it to you. You yeah. got in for free. They're sitting there with their arms crossed. You yeah. think they they just got in for free. You'd think they'd be the happiest people in the world, but right. they're not. They're the hardest Even to make Even if it's a dollar or three dollars. Yeah. I used to do this place in Terre Haute, Indiana. It was Larry Bird's Holiday Inn. And uh, the bar there. <laughs> yeah. The bar Larry there was, Bird. Yeah. The bar, the bar there was called the Bird's Nest. 
And I know some people listen have, have done that one nighter. And you know, it's all Larry Bird memorabilia across the room. And it was free to get in, and it was like dollar pictures. And like the show started, and they were all drunk, yeah. and they hadn't paid a buck to get in. So it was like, you know, it was. Sometimes it was fun, you know, <laughs> but it could, it could go either way really quickly right. for any comic. And right. it was one of, one of those runs where you do one nighters with the same couple of comics for five or six nights in a row. So it was interesting to see somebody that killed the night before struggle with a pack, more packed room, but they didn't pay a dollar to get in. Right. You know, and so yeah. you learn those things as you go. But yeah. a, a room of four hundred and fifty that didn't pay to get in. Yeah, and and mm. they they tell me there's a delay that you'll tell the joke at Stardome, and then there's like just a there is like a little hiccup, a little, little delay step. that before you hear the laughs again. I, I don't know. I don't understand that part. Uh, but anyways, um, I went back. Uh, I fixed it. And then uh, Comedy Catch was another one I did with Cletus. I did those back-to-back. We mm-hmm. did a weekend at Stardome and then Comedy Catch. And Comedy Catch kicked my butt for whatever reason. I don't know. So after those two weekends of bad shows, uh, Cletus, had, he, uh, he called me on the way home from Chattanooga. I was on my way back, and he said, I don't think this is going to work out. We'd done a lot of other shows uh-huh. where I'd done, I'd done good. Uh, but those two back to back, which were kind of big for him, uh, he was like, I, "I don't think this is going to work out anymore." So I went through like eight months of just the biggest slump of like, "What did I do? Yeah. Why am I in this? Should I should I stop?" And uh, didn't my writing? I was still writing because I, I always try to write a new five every week. You know, if we was going to Spanky's, uh, I, it was always my my same buddies that were coming with me. So I always tried to write new five minutes for them. So it wasn't last week's stuff mm-hmm. or whatever, anything that you heard. Anyways, so for that eight months, I, f- I was still writing my five minutes, but it just, my confidence was just shattered. I, I, I just, it took a while. I can't even remember what got me out of that slump. It seemed like I did another contest and I, and I won it that, that finally snapped me out of it, but it was it was devastating for me. For and I, and I really I'd only been doing it for two years. This yeah. is 2010. I shouldn't have even really been with Cletus and doing improvs, mm-hmm. improv in Irvine, California. We drove out there and did that. They, the people there they come up to me afterwards. They said I couldn't understand a word you yeah. said, <laughs> but I liked your mannerism, yeah. and that, <laughs> that's that was the compliment that I got there. But they they did laugh, and then. Uh, we did the improv in uh, Louisville, which isn't open anymore. But we had other good shows. Uh, but yeah, Well, two, you know, those two clubs, I think if you talk to any comic, are very tough the first couple times through. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Comedy Catch is one of my favorites, and that's mm-hmm. what I was getting to. Comedy Catch is one of my favorites. They are some of the, the, the last few years I've been back there, some of the loudest laughs. I've I've mm-hmm. ever had, and that goes also to Jackson. You've been to Jackson. Yeah. Jackson. The first time I was there, there was a fight broke out. They threw a cash register down the hall, you know, to the the door that you come in. Yeah, yeah. There was this guy was trying to fight everybody in the room, and I, and I just got started then too, and that scared me to You're death. Like, what am I that doing? scared me to death. Yeah. That this huge guy wanting to fight everybody, and um, so Jackson took me a few times before and now that probably is my favorite club right now Mm -hmm. the 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 past few years there have been great and harvey headlines me down there 
Um, he, he was the first one to headline me and, uh, it has, it's, it's been, he, that guy, he had more confidence in me. He had confidence in me whenever I didn't. And, um, but he did it, it about three, four years ago. He started headlining me down there. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was so scared. I brought Brian Kylie with me on that one because he had, you know, he'd been headlining down there for a while and I had him to come up and, and, uh, to critique me and just him being there. Mm-hmm. Cause he was always, he was there from the beginning whenever I took your class, he was always there and just him being there. It made me feel better. So I brought Brian down, even though he's a headliner. Yeah. At the club, he 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 was gracious enough to do a guest spot, and then I had like Donnie Pollard. You had him yeah. in your class, yeah, and Donnie featured, and then me. But I would have come down to see that show. It's <laughs> pretty solid lineup. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was fun. It ended up being being a, a good deal, and then since then, uh, I really like. Look Jackson. forward to going back there. Yeah, yeah. Jackson, Tennessee uh, is one of those. Another one when I when I first got here is you know a learning experience the first time through mm-hmm. kind of deal. And uh, like you say, Harvey, who runs the room, and and he he, he keeps a, the the people come back. A lot of people come to see him. He's yeah, like the local celebrity it. guy, radio guy, it. and magazine editor or something. Yeah. Now I don't know what uh, he's, he's doing with the magazine and everything. But, uh, but Harvey has been great yeah. to me. Uh, I, I've recently got some comedy T-shirts, and me and me and Harvey sat down after uh, I headlined down there last time. Uh, I had no merch. And uh, he's like, we got to get you some merch. And I was like, I can't, I can't figure out a joke uh-huh. that, that would make a good merch. And we sit there and we talked it out for 10, 15 minutes. And we did. We come up with a, uh, uh, it, uh, it's a heating and air uh, shirt called Hell Yeah, Heating and Air. <laughs> it, it, it's part of a joke. But anyways, uh, I went and got those shirts made. And there was another, that's been another uh I'm so excited to do shows now just to sell my shirts. Oh, I'm so yeah. proud of my shirts. No, I'm with you 100%. And, and, and for years, I've never had any merch. I didn't have a CD. Uh, mm-hmm. I did try to make some bumper stickers, but I'm the worst salesman. And and I really didn't, wasn't 100% behind the bumper sticker. Right. Your merch should really help you stay on the road more and, and definitely bring home a lot more cash. It is, you know, the money does help, but the biggest thing is, it, there again, it's another compliment after the show. Yeah, they're spending some extra I money on it. you. Uh, these shirts, these shirts wasn't cheap. They're three colors, front and back, and these shirts cost me. I'm not making much on them, you know. Where a lot of guys can get a shirt for five bucks, right? Mine, mine's double that. Uh, but I want it to look legit. I want it to look like a real heating and air uh-huh. shirt. So I don't care. And it's not that. It, it's that somebody enjoyed me so much. That somebody explained it. The T-shirt guy actually explained it to me that he went and saw uh, Ed Kaler. And he wanted to buy his shirt after the show just because he enjoyed him so much. He said it's almost like it's a tip. It's a tip, yeah. I had no way of gauging after a show except for people wanting to shake your hand or something. That if you did, you know, you know people laugh. Yeah. But – that's that's still that's making me that makes me feel great if somebody wants to buy. No, that's a good sign. I, I've, I've here lately because I've only been doing it, you know, past uh, four or five shows. So when somebody buys a shirt, I don't care who it is, I hug them. Yeah, it's been the biggest <laughs> dude, and I've hugged him. And been like, thank you so much. But it is, it, it, it's, it is a compliment, and it, it makes sure you know. I'll tell you one thing. I used to do with my shirts is. I just went to like Kinko's and I got a sheet of paper and I don't know, divided it into like 
to where I could cut it into like 10 pieces or something. But I, I have a little tag that I'd staple onto the tag of the shirt mm-hmm. with my website, email address. And at that time, I had a thing where if they emailed me in and, sa- and told me which show they were at, I'd put them in a monthly drawing and they would win other stuff. Oh, and wow. by doing that, when they say which show they were at, I knew which club they were emailing me from. And I kept that in a little, I guess it was a spreadsheet back then. And when I came back to that club, I would email them and say, hey, I'm just letting you know I'm coming back to Zanies or wherever yeah. you saw them. And then you have a little mailing list you can build up from there. And if you're getting their email, you know, keep them in touch with what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you've got your – that's a true fan who tipped you and bought something after the show. You want to make sure you get their email or make sure they have yours some way that you can develop right. that email list. Because there'll be a tipping point where if you have enough fans, enough email lists, you don't need the club. Right. You just pick a place and, and do it. Do it. Yeah. Like Doug Stanhope. Yeah. He's like, I don't he does all bars or something. Now. Yeah, he, he, saloon he, gigs or what yeah, have you. But it's all his people showing up for him. That's him, and he'll pack it out. Uh, yeah, I see. I see. I am so bad at the business part of this. I took your class. And I did, and it, and I'm still so bad. Well, I, I, I'm gonna I'll give you a workbook on the way out and, and point a few <laughs> things you might want to look at because you're at the point now where you've got some fans, you've got a following, and you just want to you might want to make sure that you keep those people involved in what you're doing because. That is kind of the, the big group that's going to push you to the next level in different places and, and push you up to headlining in clubs where you're not headlining yet and those kinds of things. It, right. It'll help the draw and uh, and keep the party I don't know rolling. What it, it, it always felt like I was bragging if I was, if I was talking about, you know, trying to promote myself. I always felt like I was bragging. And, and like sometimes whenever I – in the beginning, I was getting opportunities where some of my buddies weren't. And so I felt like if I said anything on Facebook or any uh, – I got a website now. But back then, if I said anything on Facebook, I felt like, you know, I was kind of putting it in their face. You know, I got this group. I'm going right. to be down here. And um, so that kind of st- has stuck with me that – I'm really, but here last year or so, it's just like you got to. Nobody else is gonna. Nobody's gonna do it. And you could also, you know, take it one step back and like these guys, gals that are buying your shirt and you're hugging them. So have somebody just take a picture of somebody you're hugging and just put that out. Yeah. Each night and say, yeah. my new my new biggest fan, or I'm I'm the biggest fan of this dude because he bought my shirt, and just kind of promote your fans. Yeah. And I think that, people grab it. That is better. That. I think so. Uh, and that and that's the other thing. I'm really bad about remembering to take pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here lately, you know, I've been making sure that I get a picture of me on stage and just saying thank you, right. wherever, whatever city I'm at. Nothing, nothing. You know, I don't get on there and say I slayed it or right. anything like <laughs> yeah. that. I just Crushed say it. thank you. Yeah, I just say thank you. Uh, and um, uh, so I have gotten better about that. But uh, uh, there, there's still a lot of promotional stuff the the press kits and all that and there's videos online that i'm not really proud of right now that were several years ago that i wish i could uh, uh other people have put them up that i wish they would come down because they're not where you're at now nah, yeah not, yeah i don't think so uh but anyways that's uh trying to get a good solid video and um i am i'm to the point where i i am confident uh, <sighs> That I can, I can, I can do any club, mm-hmm. and uh, and at some point that has to happen. You know, it happened with you at some point that you were like, "I can do, right? I can do any club," and you have the confidence, and that's whenever you start really um, contacting these clubs, and 
that's the hardest part. You know, that, that so many of them want TV credits, mm -hmm. some kind of, and, um, you know, while we got the Tennessee Crossroads thing that we did, right. remember that? Yeah, we're on that. <laughs> <laughs> I have you got put, a little FaceTime have, on that. I have put that on there on, on a resume your before. Business where I'm going. <laughs> right? That, yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> I'll, I'll link to that in the show. And, that's uh, funny. <laughs> but uh, that me and Chad Ryden went and did a show for CMT Canada, not affiliated with the one down here, and they took us down to Mississippi and we grabbed snakes with our with our hands, with our bare hands. We were in water, chest deep, grabbing snakes. <laughs> how, how come I haven't heard of this? I, it, it was called Mississippi Snake Grabbers, and <laughs> it never – I don't know that it aired in Canada. I don't know. Maybe me and Chad are huge deals up in Canada, yeah. but uh, um, as far as I know <laughs> – Maybe, but as far as I know, it never aired. So I don't even know if I can count that as a TV credit. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we did do it. We had a film crew out there. We had we had chase boat following us all around the the lake. It was me and Chad riding and and Rob Haynes. You remember yeah. the hot sauce and uh, Will 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 Copeland. But anyways, um, I think they would actually get a laugh in your intro if you said our next comic you've seen on CMT Canada. Canada. <laughs> I mean, I've got a couple of credits where I do it like that and let let the credit get a laugh. Like, well, the joke that I had with it, I said. Uh, I say, uh, I was on CMT. Does that make me a big deal? And people are like, yeah, you know, and they'll clap or whatever. And I said, yeah, if you live in Canada, <laughs> that's the only place that's going to see this. And there again, there was another opportunity, you know, that, that, that Chad gave me. And uh, um, that this whole thing, though, the whole comedy thing, uh, I've seen so much stuff and I've been places that I never thought I would be. Savannah, Georgia. Prettiest uh, place. Um uh, yeah, but it, I don't know that I'd ever went there if it hadn't been for comedy. And I always say comedy is like the travel of the military without getting shot. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I think I've got five states left to go to. And it, I, I can guarantee you 40 of those I would have never gone to. I, I've been, I've got to go to Decorah, Iowa, a beautiful town. They're famous for their eagles, bald eagles. Um, and I got to go to Sabetha, Kansas, which has a population of a thousand and fifty. They actually have a negative unemployment rate. They have more business than they have people that live. That? Yeah, only town I think in America with a negative unemployment rate. But you know, we went to Wilmington, uh, North Carolina. I've been to um, uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, I didn't know anything about that. That's full of history. Oh there. yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I'd ever went to any of these places if it hadn't been for comedy. And then everybody that I've met, um, met Mel Michael Waltrip. He decided that he wanted to do comedy one time. Zanies calls me and they said, you're going to be perfect for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> so I, I got to open for Michael Waltrip, you know. That that was a... Uh, Those are fun, it, you know. It, it is. Those are fun little things like uh, they're not goals. They're 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 the... The benefits of hard work, you know. Yeah. You know, Brian knew you and your personality. He's like, this is a perfect fit, and so yeah. it's a it's a cool thing. And you know, I met the uh, AT and T girl. The I saw. I actually saw that when you posted. Yeah. That. You know that, and then uh, yeah. there's a lot of people, the Broken Lizard guys, you uh -huh. know, that do Super Trooper and all them. Those guys were so much fun. Oh, they're hilarious. And uh, you know, I did get pictures with those with those people, but there's been other ones that, uh, you know, I, I did. I kind of let it go. Just 
thought, yeah, didn't want to bother him. Yeah. Didn't want to look like a fanboy or whatever. Right. And, uh, and I do. I get starstruck. I, I am. I, you know, I am so, I love seeing somebody that succeed. Oh, Ralphie May. Golly. I've, I've been such an idiot around him. Just be, he, he was in the green room at Zany's one time. And I was just, Ralphie. <laughs> and and just start talking the stupidest gibberish stuff to him, but uh, um, and he's been he's been real nice too. I saw him the other night. I got to hang out with John Reap. Yeah, John's a good guy. Yeah, I mean we went to uh, uh, Smell Rose after a show over there drinking beer with John Reap all night long. Yeah, yeah he was fun. Yeah, there's all little stuff like that. And you know, would, you know, you recognize those guys from TV and stuff, but they're just a dozen years further down the road than where you're at, you know? So it's, it's not yeah. as a big deal as, as it seems, but it's cool when you see somebody and you're like, know. Oh, that's a dude that was on last comic standing or that's yeah. the guy, you know, it is cool, but you know, you're, I think, I think, and, and now it is, you know, I, I don't get as, as, as bad as I used to be, but they, they have already reached the success that I, I hope to be at. Right. And I think I just admire that so much. And, you know, I'm always huge Ralphie and, John fan, and then to finally meet him, you know, it was That's just cool. you were you've been listening to him for years, and then finally be able to just touch him, <laughs> which they don't like. <laughs> they don't like that. You know, <laughs> well, cool, man. What what kind of stuff you got coming up uh, that you're excited about, or, or stuff that you want to knock out? Uh, we're going going to Miami, Oklahoma, which is spelled Miami. They just that's how they say it, Miami. And we'll go to Huntsville. Been burning up Huntsville, like uh, Huntsville's gen- a growing city, man. Oh they man, got a lot of they got a down good uh, scene down there. You know, they don't have a club, so they get the locals have taken it upon themselves, and they run really good shows down there. They have a uh, that epic uh, comedy, which is in a warehouse. Great show, and then they do a, a brewery. Uh, down there, the local brewery and the and the brewery just lets them set up a stage and you do shows in front of their kegs and it, 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 I loved it. It was it was fun. The crowd was real receptive. Uh, sold shirts and uh, then I went to Anniston, Alabama. Uh, I had been there before for a fundraiser for a, a policeman, but uh, all that within a week. Uh-huh. It was Monday, Friday, Saturday. All in Huntsville, right then. I've probably been, I've been doing, com- I've been, de- I've been to Huntsville maybe once every year since I started. But right there, three, three times in one week. Uh, They've got it going on. They, they are. They're, they're building. I, my hats off to those guys and uh, Paducah. Uh, those guys are really trying up there too, and they, they got a lot of good talent. And uh, they're again don't have a club, so they're, mm-hmm. they're doing their own. And uh, I like that Knoxville. Knoxville has to do that right now. You know they uh, they don't have yeah they need to get something going any, there. And it's big enough it can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those boys are they dig in. They come up with all kinds of creative ways to do shows and stuff. It's not just a regular uh, open mic or whatever. They they had some but, themes and some different yeah, things. Yeah, I like that. They like roasting uh, superheroes and stuff. Yeah. The roast of Batman. Yeah. The roast of Santa Claus. They yeah. did that. Those are good writing challenges, man. They are. You know, they get are. you thinking outside of your normal You know, thing. we did that roast for you back whenever oh, I first graduated. And I, yeah, and, and I, I still that. remember those, and it was like, it was awful. I'm so bad <laughs> at, at, at trying to insult somebody, and I felt so horrible afterwards of like, 
That was I, I tried to insult him, and it wasn't even funny. You know, that's even worse. It was, that was a fun night, my 40th birthday. So that was like seven years ago. So, yeah, just shortly after you started. Yeah. Um, and that was fun. Of all of my nights in comedy, that's, you know, I've still got the video of that somewhere. Somebody videotaped that whole night. Yeah, and, uh, Reno Collier came out. Reno was there, and Cable Guy Larry taped a little Cable something Guy tapes, for me. That's and, right. That's uh, right. There was a few other things going on. It was pretty sweet. It was. That was a cool show. I have to dig that thing out and check it out. It'll make me sad to look back seven years and see I still had hair and all that good stuff. <laughs> well, cool, Monty. Uh, we're, I guess people can find you at your website. Is it MontyMitchell.com? It's FunnyMonty.com. Monty Mitchell is some big real estate uh, mogul up in New York. And uh, I'm just waiting for him to slip and let that one yeah. come out. But it's got to be FunnyMonty.com. Uh, I, I have yet to figure out Twitter, but... And then Facebook. and All right, I'll link to your Facebook and your uh, website in the notes so people can click through and see who's been talking for the past hour and, and going, yeah. find a show where he's at and go put check a, him put out. Put a face with the voice. Yeah. I guarantee you you're not, <laughs> you're, it's not it's what not you think. not what you think at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Rick. Hey, man, that was awesome. Thanks, Monty. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.